Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when we are, they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. You do not understand these things. Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Father, I just want to welcome the Holy Spirit here and ask that you would speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Some passages are so familiar to us that it's difficult to sense what the Holy Spirit may be saying to us today and to hear something new through them. And these two passages we've just heard, I'm sure, are familiar to many of us. I'm going to resist the temptation to talk about baptism because I am certain Bishop Andrew will do that and probably much better than I could this evening at the baptism and confirmation service. Have you ever been on a journey, not sure where you're going to and not sure how you're going to get there? I think sometimes our Christian journey can feel like that. Perhaps looking back a few years, you can see how God has guided you to the place where you are now, how his blessing has followed you. Go from your country and your people 
and your father's house to the land that I will show you. You may be in a place now that you couldn't have imagined before. Have you noticed how often God uses journeys to speak to people? It seems to me it's often not about the arriving, but about how you get there. The Exodus, still remembered and commemorated by the Jewish people as a time when God revealed himself to a frightened and disparate community. Elijah and Elisha seemed to spend a lot of time learning about God while they were traveling. Ruth and Naomi, learning about each other and God through their journey back to Naomi's country and people. Joseph and his brothers all needed to journey to find out what it was God had for them and to be the people God could use. Jacob met God on the road. David needed to run in fear of his life to find out how much God loved and cared for him. Go from your country and your people and your father's house to the land that I will show you. The disciples spent a lot of time with Jesus traveling from one place to another. Paul traveled widely and learned about Jesus as he did. Go from your country and your people and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Abram and Nicodemus, in our readings, were both setting out on a journey of discovery. Abram was setting out, leaving all he knew and all he loved. He had no idea where he was going, and all he had was the promises of God. Nicodemus took less of a risk, although don't underestimate the risk he was taking. Nicodemus was a senior member of the ruling council. The conflict between Jesus and the religious leaders was already well established. Nicodemus has heard about the signs of Jesus' ministry and he's curious. He's curious for the right reasons, not because the signs are exciting, though they are, but because the signs that Jesus is performing point to God. Signs are always there to point to God never an end in themselves. You might have thought Jesus would be pleased, grateful even, that someone like Nicodemus had come to him. But here we have an account of Jesus seeming to taunt him. You're supposed to be a teacher in Israel, but you don't understand anything. Go from your country and your people and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Part of the problem here, it seems to me, is that Nicodemus is trying to engage Jesus in discussing signs. At the end of the previous chapter in John, the Pharisees had asked Jesus for a sign to prove who he was and where his authority came from. Jesus wanted people to respond to him because of faith, because they see the presence of God behind the signs. Do people understand what the signs are pointing to? Or are they after a quick fix 
signaling that God will do just as you want him to. To be fair to Nicodemus, he's not come to ask for a sign for himself, and he has connected Jesus with the activity of God. But as yet, he is unwilling to jeopardize his position in the temple and come out as a follower of Christ. He has started his journey. The luxury of sitting on the sidelines is not something Jesus is offering. Faith without risk is not on offer. Go from your country and your people and your father's house to the land that I will show you. We're told even less of what was going on in Abram's mind as he did as God asked of him. We follow him as he learns to trust, as he fails, trying to pass his wife off as his sister because of fear. We follow him as God draws close and they walk together. I wonder how he heard God, how he broke the news to his family. How did it feel leaving all you knew to wander in unknown lands and to an unknown destiny? Was he excited at the prospect of faith in God, of new and unexplored places? Was the excitement tangible as he packed and started off? Or was he frightened, longing to do as he was asked, but fearful of the consequences? Jesus is offering Nicodemus a chance to enter the real world, the one that God created through the word. Suddenly, Jesus stops teasing Nicodemus and gets serious. There is only one way to find out what God is like and what his purposes are for the world, and that is to commit yourself to the Son of Man, whose lifting up on the cross is the fulfillment of God's loving purpose. Nicodemus needs to decide. Abraham needs to decide. Were they going to step out in faith, into the risk and the unknown, and walk into the blessings God had for them? Or were they going to retreat, go for the safe option, the one where they knew what the cost was, where they knew exactly how it went. They knew what was expected of them. We, as a church and as individuals, are also presented with that choice. We can do as we've always done. We can go for the safe and the predictable, the affordable options. We can replay the same arguments. We can stay in our comfort zones. Or we can go for the risk. Follow the one who is subversive, difficult and unpredictable. The one who will take us where we don't want to go. The one who will turn our world upside down and show us grace and love in unimaginable ways. The one who asks us to go from our country and our people and our father's house to the land that I will show you. Both Abram and Nicodemus are making the first steps of allowing the Holy Spirit to indwell in them, to speak to them, and to change them. They have discovered the vulnerability that they need to be open. This will lead eventually to enabling Abram to be the father of us all, and Nicodemus 
to go and anoint Christ after his death. The paradox is that both Abraham and Nicodemus needed to trust and know God, but the only way to do that was to step out in faith and take the risk. That is the same paradox that faces us. They may both have felt the risk was a physical one, but actually it went much, much deeper than that. This was a risk of allowing the Holy Spirit into their lives to do as he pleased, to change things, to change them. One writer I was reading recently talked about allowing God to move in, change the wallpaper and paint, and move all the furniture around. Encounter with God will not leave you unchanged. Go from your country and your people and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Have you ever wondered what it is that drives people like Mother Teresa, Nelson Mandela, Archbishop Tutu? What is it that is different about them than us? Why is it that their lives touched and changed others? The answer actually is very simple. Obedience and openness to the Holy Spirit. When they had encounter with the Holy Spirit, they said, yes, send me. There is no magic formula, no secret. And Jesus lays it open for us at the end of the passage in John, in verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only son, so that everyone that believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved. We can know God through Jesus. These are the words that will drive us to reach others, to step out, to go from our country and our people and our Father's house to the land that God will show us. It may be that God is asking us to go somewhere. It may be that God is wanting to use us right where we are. Only you will know the answer to that one. But whatever the Holy Spirit is asking of you, Jesus is asking for a deeper relationship with him. One where he can bless you and others through you. One where we are willing to listen, to spend time, to be vulnerable. And one in one of my husband's Mark's favorite phrases, feel the fear and do it anyway. Abraham and Nicodemus both moved from their place of encounter with the living God to grow as people into spiritual giants, remembered forever in our Bible stories. I wonder, where is our place of encounter? Our own Lent journeys can be uncomfortable, and part of me thinks they should be as we grow closer to God and to Jesus Faith can be as uncomfortable as sin and grace collide. If it feels too scary, why not listen to the talk Laura gave at the Ladies' Day yesterday on fear? It was truly inspirational and actually just what I needed to hear as well. It should be available on the website soon. 
She helped us to see that Jesus is there on our side, helping us even in the most difficult of situations. John's Gospel teaches us the importance of retraining our sight to see the world not as it appears to us, but as it appears to God. A world that to us can seem cruel and hopeless, but to God is one that calls out for love and transformation. My sister and I have been planning for my father's funeral this week. It's going to be a humanist one. It's sad and depressing and hopeless. And reminded me why I do what I do. People actually believe that stuff. Unless we are willing to take risks like Abraham and Nicodemus did, people will have no alternative offered to them. The Christian journey is risky. It can be scary. No one ever promised it would be easy. It can feel like you're being asked to leave your comfort zone and all you know. But the alternative is to watch the world disappear off a precipice of unbelief. What is it that the Holy Spirit is calling you to do? It may be worth spending some time this Lent in prayer, asking where the Holy Spirit wants to journey with you. Go from your country and your people and your Father's house to the land that I will show you. Amen.